Welcome back to But Why Though, the podcast, where we talk about the things in pop culture that matter and ask the question, but why though? Uh, today's episode, in honor of all things basketball, is that how I pronounce it, guys? Ba- basketball? Close enough. <laughs> That's a great movie. I don't think that's how you pronounce it. We are talking about the NBA and asking, but why though? As always, I'm your host, Kate, and I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? Matt. Hello. And our very special guest who is with us on the professionally wrestle- professional wrestling episode, and he was so good we just had to have him back, Tim. What's up, what's up? Thank you for having me yet again. <laughs> well, we're happy you're here. Um, so uh, to start things off, uh, let's go ahead and get our question going. Um, and I will also like to preface this that I am not the one leading this episode. It will be split between Matt and Adrian because I know about the Spurs and that's about the uh, the extent. So that's my answer to what is your involvement with the NBA, your favorite team, and anything else that is relevant? Spurs. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> What about you, Matt? Um, uh, my favorite team is the Heat. This was the uh, obviously before D Wade and LeBron were on the team. This was back when the Tim Hardaway, Alonzo Mourning, and Eddie Jones years. And what relevance and what's your involvement? Like, have you given really extensive answers to trivia contests? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> basically, when they bring me to trivia, the only the reason I'm there is to answer sports questions. Which happened to be NBA, and I can do pretty well at that. Um, as far as relevance, <laughs> the Heat suck now, so I haven't watched a lot. <laughs> <laughs> They're not that bad. You guys almost made the playoffs. Okay, we play in the East. That, that We just got to win like 25 games to get in. <laughs> true enough, true enough. What about you, Adrian? Uh, I started like really, really following basketball in when I was in middle or now like probably like the start of middle school for me. Maybe before that. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure when. My dad was a big basketball fan, so I remember like periodically watching basketball almost all my life. But like when I think I started physically watching it and following throughout the whole season was when I was you know early teens probably. Where I could actually have actual conversations about basketball, and every time I bring this up, I'm just not going to look at Tim uh, <laughs> because I don't have a favorite team. I just really like LeBron James. Oh so, God! No matter where he goes, I'm following. I'm about to throw up. Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no matter where he goes, because like when I was a kid, I loved the Pistons. I, I just loved the way they they played. Uh, but then the Pistons, as most of us know, aren't very good anymore. So uh, I, I, would, James... I was gonna say I would say that about Tim Duncan, but you know he kind of stayed with one team and then retired. So, Kate, you're not gonna get under my skin because you don't know basketball, so nothing you say is gonna <laughs> Sorry, I see you though. I see you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I've, I follow I follow the the Cleveland LeBron Jameses. LeBron right Jameses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about you, Tim? Uh, so I am a New York Knicks fan. Uh, yes, they do exist. I hate them, but I love them at the same time. It's a weird relationship. So the reason why I started following basketball, I actually I, I was I actually played it at a younger age before I actually started watching it. It was my cousin that made me start watching it, 
And the player I gravitated to, like, in the early, around 2000, was actually Allen Iverson. Uh, I was just, I just loved the way he dribbled the ball. I would get all his sneakers when they came out. And they were, like, $20, $30 at the time. Now they're, like, 200 <laughs> I wish I would, I would have known that. Uh, but um, if I had to say I had a favorite player, it'd be Kobe Bryant. Uh, I was, uh, but I, I do not like the Lakers. It was weird because I, I, I would have to root for Kobe, but I did not want to root for the Lakers. But my love for Kobe was just so strong that, you know, I, watching him win the titles, it was always good. You know, and I grew up in New York, and uh, him playing in LA made me stay up, you know, three hours later than I was supposed to. <laughs> and now here I am, you know, trying to get ready for school the next day. It's two o'clock in the morning, watching him playing basketball. So. But now, like, now I'm just, I'm a super basketball nerd. I, I follow that. I'm, like, one of them, you know, league passers that watch these insignificant games in Mil- between Milwaukee and, you know, the Phoenix Suns that don't matter. But I just love the game so much that I watch them. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I still follow the Knicks. I love them. I want them to win. But I don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I actually feel like I kind of need to, like, rephrase my Spurs stuff. So, like... Some of my earliest pictures are me in, like, Spurs gear from my uncle because uh, he was obsessed. And so, like, my first game was a Timberwolves game. And then when I was little, I remember staying up and watching the Knicks and the Spurs with my dad um, when the Knicks were, you know, good. And then... Um, and then 50 years ago? Yeah. And then I remember <laughs> watching uh, the, the rivalry between the Lakers and the Spurs. I remember specifically because there, there was this little boy in my Catholic school who always wore Lakers stuff. And I grew up in San Antonio and he got so much hate. Like if he wasn't like a giant kid, he probably would have got bullied just because of the Lakers stuff. But you mentioned teams I knew. But it, like... I guess, like, I represent, like, a different side because, like, it's totally because I'm a San Antonio person that I love the Spurs. Um, like, I'm it, tied to the city, <laughs> and, like, I'm kind of, like, the majority of it, but it, it's also just kind of, like, I, like, I'm tied to, like, I think the Spurs are genuinely good guys, except for Tony Parker. I still don't like him. What's the beef with Tony? He wasn't, he was a royal D-bag when he first got on the Spurs. I could see that. He, he was really bad. He was one of, like, so when all the Spurs were kind of like, we're San Antonians first. We are really a part of the community. We do community work. We talk to people. We talk to our fans. When Tony first came in, he was really, really arrogant. Um, and it's changed a lot now. Um, I just, I, I think that the other guys are a lot better. He's from France or Argentina? France. Manu- France. Ma- Not Ma- surprising. Yeah. That's yeah, what I was no. thinking. I was like, I'm pretty sure because he was from France. And he cheated on Eva Longoria. So, like, I'm, I'm just not going to be okay with him. <laughs> hey, kind of like that one guy that Tim likes. Oh, my God. Oh, hey, God. He, she forgave him. So, why should we be mad about it? Oh, there are but a lot. I... Fun fact on Tony Parker. Did you know he has a rap song? Yes, I did, actually. I totally did. That song is amazing and featuring <laughs> Fabulous. I used to watch it every day just to bother my Spurs friend. And I would show it to him and he'd be like, can you please turn that off? And I'm like, but Tony Parker's rapping. Like, we have to listen. <laughs> All I know is if you want to see, as like I guess, like an NBA team getting involved into like a city, free free tacos and free coffee when the spurs win in san antonio and that's that's one of the best things i got free stuff all the time whatever don't look at me like that <laughs> <laughs> i shake my head on that one 
essentially, <laughs> I loved the Spurs when I was a kid. I now pretty much know Kawhi Leonard, just, and Matt gives me so much crap for it, but I, I, I'm still a Spurs fan. So. I just feel weird because, like, my, I guess, first really memories of watching the NBA involved, like, John Stockton and Carl Malone and Sean Kemp playing the Bulls, so I'm a little dated. Because you're old. (laughs) (laughs) And rooting for them. I actually really did like the Jazz for a while. I like the Carl Malone and John Stockton combination. So, as always, we're going to go into a brief history, and I'm going to turn it over to people that are obviously, well, more versed in the NBA things than me. Uh, So, Adrian, if you want to start off. Yeah, so for, for the history, I didn't want to spend too, too much time on, like, the stuff that didn't matter because we're going to cover a lot of this stuff in the but why those as we go through it. Uh, so, Matt and Tim, feel free to jump in at really any point just because, you know, I left it really, really open for discussion. So, basketball as, like, I guess more or less as we know it now, the first game was played in 1891 in Springfield, Massachusetts. And the, I guess, quote-unquote creator of basketball would be attributed to Dr. James Naismith, who the Hall of Fame is named after to this day, if I'm not mistaken. And the top college basketball award, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Because he wanted to help his his athletes be conditioned during the winter month, during the winter months. And this was literally basketball, like the basket and... Uh, the bottom wasn't cut out yet, so like after every time they would score, they would have to get the ladder. Uh, the janitor would come in, take out the ball, and then they would tip it off again. So it was very uh, basic, basic, basic when you're thinking about they like the original game balls. of basketball. Yeah, like they basically <laughs> played with soccer balls. It's uh, very archaic. Basically, there wasn't, they had soccer balls until they realized they couldn't dribble nor pass those. Do you know what inspired it? Well, I mean, I guess it would have to go back to – well, I, I, I don't know. I didn't look too much into it just because I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole and then yeah. me spend 15 minutes talking about ancient basketball. But if you look at, like, uh, you know, ancient Latin that, civilizations, yeah, they had stuff. The Maya with the – Yeah, the yeah they had stuff that would go through ball, like through, through hoops. And I guess you can call that, like, technically basketball. But I didn't want to go too much into it. Okay. Uh, but, yeah. But, yeah, we're on the same wave, wavelength, Kate. Yeah, okay. we, we got it. Boop, boop. Uh, from there, we go into more or less kind of like the, the big creation of the National Basketball Association as we know it now. There was a whole bunch of, you know, mergers and like other associations, much as there is with basically any sporting organization. I mean, when Tim was here last time, we talked about it with the WWE episode, how there was, you know, a whole bunch of different organizations and by the end of it one of them won out and we had one and that's kind of how this goes too so before the nba is called you know the nba that was called the uh ba yeah the baa <laughs> so the acronyms are going to get stupid because they're all basically like the same three letters just rearranged differently <laughs> uh so the baa the basketball association of america and it's founded in 1946 um, this is interesting because regardless of the mergers and all of like the things that are absorbed into the NBA, the NBA still officially has its history spawning from the Basketball Association of America. So all of, like the original records and everything like that come from the Basketball Association of America and not say like the one of the other ones that was going on around that time, the American Basketball League, the ABL that was in the East and the National Basketball League, the NBL 
which was in the Midwest. So regardless of like those teams, some of those teams coming over, the NBA still recognizes the Basketball Association of America as their founding date and where it really gets going from the beginning. So as we move through the late 40s, we have basically, which can be seen as a merger, but the NBA doesn't really classify it as a merger in their history. They classify it as an expansion. So the Basketball Association uh, of America going into the 1948 to 1949 season took four teams from the National Basketball League, which basically made the BAA the best option for athletes coming out of college to go pro. And then the next season after that, they took the remaining teams from the NBL and to avoid legal issues, much like, you know, the WWE did or the WWF at that time did in wrestling, they changed their name despite basically having the same leadership and, you know, front office just to avoid like the legal, the legal issues there. And then we get the, the big merger that everyone um, who is, you know, big into basketball like Tim and Matt, which is why I'm going to let them talk about this here in a second, is the big merger and kind of like the, I like to think of it as like the Monday Night Wars of basketball <laughs> with the National Basketball League and the American Basketball Association during the late 60s and into the mid-70s. Think Will Ferrell and Tropical Thunder. Or not Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Tropical? Uh, no. Semi-pro. Huh? Semi-pro. Semi-pro. Well, they were the tropics, my yeah. bad. Will, I miss... Will Ferrell was... Yeah. He was in the tropics, my bad. I was thinking Tropical Thunder, tropics, whatever. They fought a bear in the movie. <laughs> So if you want to talk a little bit about it, Matt, Tim, um, about your thoughts on the merger and kind of like how it changed things or, uh, you know, its importance as, you know, the merger that people think about when they think about mergers. Um, I guess I'll go first. I actually, I really love this merger, I guess, because a few reasons. I guess one, there was an anti-law trust law, or antitrust lawsuit that was actually involved between Oscar Robertson, who everybody knows is a great basketball player and Hall of Famer. He actually filed an antitrust lawsuit against the NBA because he wanted to keep both the ABA and the NBA as a, like a competition to increase player uh, salaries. And so by having two leagues, you basically increase salaries to get the best players and whatnot. And so while this lawsuit's going on, they're trying to merge this entire time. And it was so, I guess, bad and wrapped up between the lawsuits and everything that the U.S. Congress... And the U.S. Senate actually had to, like, write bills to try to get this lawsuit or this merger, like, to help them get it done. And it actually took, I guess, four years because this was in 1972 when they started. And I think the official merger was not till 1976 that this happened. Uh, when the merger happened, there was uh, six teams from the ABA, and basically the NBA said, we'll take four. The, basically, that involved the Denver Nuggets, the San Antonio Spurs, the Indiana Pacers, and at the time, the New York Nets, which eventually became the, I guess, New Jersey, then Brooklyn Nets, the St. Louis Spirits, and the Kentucky, I'm not even sure what the Kentucky people were. <laughs> Blue people. You I mean the, trop- the tropics weren't a thing? That wasn't a real Unfortunately, thing? Unfortunately, no, <laughs> no. But it was based oh, okay. on this. Uh, the movie was kind of semi-based on this. So merger. all I want to know, did a magical future child fall out of the sky? Because I'm slightly confused right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> so there were six ABA teams, and the NBA happened to be the better, I guess, necessarily product, I guess, at the time, but they had more money, I guess would say. Product. Yeah. Well, you'd be surprised. It was a better... Yeah, I mean, the, the teams weren't that different. Yeah. Like, it wasn't... The competition wasn't that much better in the NBA versus the ABA. 
right? Exactly. That's that's what makes the whole WWF, WCW comparison such a good one. You know, WCW can be looked at as like the ABA at the time. They still had stars that the NBA wanted, one being Julius Irving, which, you know, a.k.a. is Dr. J. That was a big deal for the NBA for to able to implement him into their league because f- uh, he was... Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you know exactly like how they got them? Because I actually looked this up, and it's actually a very interesting story. So the Nets, since the Knicks were already around, had to pay $4 million to get into this merger for the NBA. And so they actually offered Julius Irvin to the, to the Knicks. The Knicks said, no, we want the money. And so then they actually sold Julius Irvin for $3 million to the Sixers, and then took the $3 million and then paid the Knicks, and that's how they got in the NBA. Really? Yes. I did not know that. <laughs> so also, they sold them for three million. <laughs> so also for listeners out there, if you haven't guessed, there's a reason why uh, Matt was our money guy only for the longest time, and uh, he likes numbers. So um, I was really excited to hear him talk about that part. <laughs> well, that's not the best part. Um <laughs> The best part is basically what happened where basically the greatest financial deal in history ever happened occurred in this merger. So the St. Louis Spirits were not wanted, but they, they had a good roster, and but they were supposed to fold. And so what the other ABA team did to them was they agreed to pay their owners, I guess it's the Salinas Brothers, I believe that's how you pronounce their name. Sorry, man. They agreed to pay them $2.2 million up front. This is obviously back in the 70s, so it's a lot more money than what it is today. And one-seventh of all of their television revenue forever. Forever. Wow. Say, say in perpetuity. In perpetuity would be the exact words, but forever. <laughs> so the brothers of the owners, who are still technically owners and shareholders of this, get revenue from the Nuggets, the Spurs, the Pacers, and the Nets, who actually joined... To this day, and as of 2013, they've made over $300 million by doing nothing but part of this deal. And the, the American dream. And right. then basically the They're NBA League pass that you Knicks brought up. Sorry, the NBA League pass that you had brought up earlier, that was another subscription service that apparently was not really necessarily like TV revenue. So then they sued the NBA in 2014, and the NBA said, okay, here's $500 million up front. Wow. So they've made almost a billion dollars doing absolutely nothing. And the money revenue, as long as the revenue of the TV contracts keep going up, they keep making more money doing absolutely nothing. Which is ridiculous because these TV contracts are going <laughs> to start exploding pretty soon. Yeah, that is probably yeah. why I love this merger and is like the greatest financial like deal ever made in history. I'm sorry if I went on thing, but that is like... If I could make a billion dollars by literally saying, here, I will fold my team, but I get one-seventh of everything you do forever. Matt does numbers. <laughs> well, what do you think, Matt? What, uh, uh, Tim, what's what's the, the biggest part of the merger for you? What's, what's its lasting impact? Other than giving us the NBA, of course, right. but what's... Well... Uh, to me, it just made the the NBA more. It it expanded it in such a way that it was able to go in all these different regions, and it was able to be consumed by so many different markets. You know, like you know, like a team like San Antonio that she that uh, Kate had said <laughs> earlier. If it wasn't for this, you know, it might not be around to this day. So it, it's just things like that that uh, 
I really loved it. You know, again, going back to the wrestling uh, comparison, it's the same way when they merged together. WWE was such an up north kind of company. WCW was more of a down south. Once they merged together, it was more global, and they were able to expand upon that. And the NBA kind of did the same thing after this whole merger. You know, they was like, well, how how else can we expand upon this? And it became, uh, they went, you know, looked into Europe and all these things. It was like the first step into what we got today. So I do have a question. Like, how does a team become a team now, I guess? Like, because obviously there's more than those teams you just listed. So, like, how did, how do you go about adding teams? Or how did they add teams? Uh, the NBA... Is too complicated? Kind of. It <laughs> has to do with, like, you know, it's just all money. Oh, okay. But, uh... <laughs> uh you had a team get stolen. You can just ask Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, I believe the last team that was added was the Charlotte Bobcats. I believe was the last team that was added. Were they actually the added or was... No, I guess technically Charlotte what, then moved to New Orleans and so then they were added back, I guess. So I guess. So is there a difference between adding and moving or changing names? Like, I'm... Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because teams moved all the time, but there's still been teams like... The Lakers used to be out of Minneapolis. Like that's where they got their. That's why they're called the Lakers. The Jazz used to be I out hate, of New Orleans. I, I hate that Los Angeles. Like they're like the Los Angeles Lakers still. When there's yeah, right. Yeah, Ad, adding is different than moving. Yes. Okay, there's I been did, a lot I, of teams. I, actually, I, San Antonio moved from Dallas like two years okay. before they actually were in San Antonio. Because I, I did always wonder that because I knew that they were in the New Orleans Jazz before, which makes sense, especially because Mormons like have like. They, there's certain types of music they don't listen to, and I would assume that jazz is one of them. As you referred to the beginning then, of the show, basketball, if you watch the intro of that, they make fun of like all okay. of the names from the best NBA. <laughs> but there, there have been like rumors in basketball circles that I've seen that the NBA is planning to do another expansion and adding uh, two to four teams. And one city that the, some cities they're looking at is Austin. Really? Yeah, thinking yep. about giving Austin a team. And, uh, Finally, giving uh, Seattle a team again. Okay, uh, how they got robbed from the Super Sonics. Is, uh, but, do you uh, happen to know? Because I know the NHL just added this, and I think technically the NFL now is. Are they looking at Las Vegas? Uh, the NBA, uh, the commissioner now, uh, Adam Silver. He's he's uh more progressive than these other commissioners in these other major sports, as far as gambling. He actually. Uh, supports gambling in sports and betting on sports, so I wouldn't be surprised if we do get a basketball team in Las Vegas. Wow. He's he, he's uh, he's very about the money. Yeah, he's, he <laughs> understands. He's very so. I wouldn't be surprised. Okay, that that kind of answers my question. And it, <laughs> now I'm just like, damn. It, it, I guess I'm just kind of like because I didn't know the. Is it the Pelicans? Are the Pelicans a basketball team now? Yes. I didn't know they were a thing. Like, I obviously don't follow it religiously. I follow it when the Spurs are, like, in the playoffs because it's everywhere. Um, and since I, I mean, in my- your defense, like, only a handful of teams even have relevance. Okay. This is like, sadly the last decade true, anyway. Like, if you look so, at the NBA. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. Your, your, your boy LeBron's been... Oh, Been there almost go. every year for like the last decade. I mean, okay. Next topic. By James, uh, <laughs> carried by James Jones the entire time. Right. Go, James Jones. Seven straight. Right. Uh, so. All right. Uh, you want to move to the but why those, Kate? Uh, Is that all right? Yeah. Cool. Uh, That's why we're so, here. 
That so is the but why those for this are slightly different than what we did for the WWE episode, but we're still going to try to keep it as much to you know why it matters. Um, this is going to be a little bit more why it matters for the sport and why it matters for um, try to re- bring it back to culture as much as we can. So we're going to start with the heavy stuff first, and we're going to go straight into race. Uh, because especially after the last couple of years or or so, it's been a big topic for the NBA. So we're going to go into it straight away. So before the NBA is a thing, uh, as way before the NBA is even a thing, basketball is pretty segregated. Obviously, you know, most of the teams are white, but there was these small pockets of all black professional basketball teams. Most of the time, they're known as the Black Fives. And as a lot of these associations aren't integrated, they're playing in, you know, sports leagues run by, you know, YMCAs and churches and things like that. But this is, you know, back in 1904 when basketball is starting to get, uh, to get going and starting to become popular. And as much as I try to look into it, there's really no real i mean i'm sure there is but it's hard to find information about these black basketball teams which is crazy like nba like if you go on the nba website there's no mention of any of these teams or you know any of their real contributions to basketball outside of what happens in the 50s and does that happen from just lack of documentation at the time or like in a race little documentation because i know that like whenever i think i think it's yeah, I think it's a little of both okay. because if you go, I mean, because you can find like some audio of some of the games that these guys played, but you know you're really hard pressed to find um, actual video of them doing anything until you know right before the NBA becomes the NBA in the late '40s. So I think it's a little of both because you know early American history, especially around this time, is pretty racist. Yeah, because I know they did so, the same thing with Native American football teams. Um, like kind yeah. of a rewriting of what they went through and stuff like that, or like a removal of it. So I was I was curious to find out about that. that that's interesting. I, I'd yeah. be interesting to see more work on that actually. I just find that yeah, I'm sure there is. And uh, what I'll say, I just found that interesting because like there's really not much on basketball, but there seems to be quite a bit from like the uh, I guess the baseball side. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, and I think that was kind of like the difference, I guess, because well, all the focus is on baseball at this time. And, you know, crossing the line and things like that. I guess basketball is kind of left in the background because it's barely starting to get its prevalence in America. Yeah, I mean, that's true because I think I think that makes sense why there would be more information on baseball, mostly because baseball was like it was if you could if you could funnel down America to a sport or to a pastime, it was baseball for the longest time. So breaking those barriers there were a lot more documented, I could see. And I, I can easily see like other sports just kind of falling to the wayside because it doesn't it doesn't serve as a nice metaphor for scholars to tackle yeah exactly and as our resident scholar i'm sure you'll look into it and i'm sure you'll be able to get some more information for our listeners i think the biggest thing that comes out of this um in terms of like what's relevant today and what people will know about today is the harlem globetrotters spawns from this black fives era of basketball uh because they were one of the all-black teams around this time uh before the NBA was even a thing. So like, this was, you know, going back to just being so undocumented and so, you know, I, I guess unappreciated. In 2005, Congress passed a joint resolution that said, quote, they wanted to recognize the teams and players 
of the barnstorming African-American basketball teams for their achievement, dedication, sacrifices, and contribution to basketball and to the nation prior to the integration of the white professional leagues. That's awesome. So Congress really likes getting involved in basketball, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Get anything from that. Uh, So after the integration, that's kind of like, okay... Now we're integrated. There's no like real big spectacle about it that from what I can see, it's just like, okay, college basketball players who are black come play basketball in the NBA now. Um, and there are a few of those. I, I wrote down a few of them, but we can put these in the show notes. And it really doesn't get super popular until you have like the first back black player in an all-star game in Don Barks, Barksdale in 1953. Uh, and that's when you can start seeing you know, black players in the NBA being more appreciative. When I was reading through this, I I saw a uh, a speculative rumor. There was a, I couldn't find anything definitive on it, but there was like a thing going on once black players started to be, become more uh, prevalent in the game. The game obviously statistically got faster. You know, there's more jumping. It's played more above the rim. And there was supposed to be like a gentleman's agreement that you could only have so many black players on one team. Uh, I couldn't find anything oh, on that, but I, but you know, nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties America. Like I'm not going to put that past anything yeah. for that to probably be true. Well, I know that that's how uh, it was with football. Like I know that for like the first like native like all Native American teams and stuff like that, uh, white teams did not want to play them because they were seen as being more savage. I you put that in scare quotes and like aggressive. And that they were like yeah. they were scared that their white players were going to be hurt by the Native American school. <laughs> so yeah, I, I can but if you go back and even if you look at like the Black Fives era basketball when they played like the all white All Star team, they didn't do too well. They uh, uh, was it the Washington the Washington Bears? I think it, I think they were called destroyed like the all all white American you know All Star team. Yeah. So I, I, I don't I don't put it past them to be like all right hey. San Antonio, <laughs> not too many, <laughs> you know. Can't do that. <laughs> and, you know, regardless of, like, all this controversy and stuff, the NBA is predominantly black players now. Uh, as of 2015, the census had 74.4% of players being black, 23.3% of players being white, 1.8% being Latino, represent Kate and Tim. And then 0.2% being Asian. So as if you put this against like other major professional sports teams in the U.S. and Canada, the NBA has the highest percentage of black athletes in in any major sport in the U.S. and Canada. So it makes talking about their racial problems that we're going to talk about here in just a second pretty messed up considering their demographics as the player base. And, you know, kind of like where all the money is the only reason we have all this money is because how great these athletes are. Uh, so the first one we're going to talk about because it happens. Can I ask um, you a question before we get into, I guess, what the first thing we're going, since we were talking about, I guess, the yeah. percentages of, because I kind of want to know, yeah. I guess, your guys' thoughts, because back in 2004, Larry Bird made the statement that he thinks the NBA needs more white players to draw, I guess, even more, I guess, white fans, I believe. I didn't know what if anybody had any thoughts about that. It just Have you seen a game in Cleveland? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I've seen, that's what I'm saying. I guess I, that's what I kind of thought, because, I mean, you look in the stands and you're like, well, there's a lot of white people in the stands. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th- this topic has been around in the NBA for, for years and years. In the 70s, that was a, a big topic point. that Because uh, in the 70s, the ratings in the NBA kind of dwindles a little. And 
a lot of the people said that it had to do with the NBA being too black and, you know, white people don't want to see a bunch of black people on the court. But with Larry Bird, you know, I don't want to agree with him. But, I mean, I wouldn't say the NBA needs more white players, but uh, probably there it's needing a white superstar, which I don't think the NBA has. Uh, I would say the best white basketball player is probably Kevin Love or Gordon Hayward, which, I mean, they aren't. You know LeBron level, but they're pretty good. No one's LeBron level, so <laughs> okay, they're not. They're not James Harden, Russell Westbrook level. Yeah, they, they're 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 you know lower tier all stars, uh, which or Blake Griffin who's half white. You know, <laughs> I don't know if that counts. Um, Stephen Curry too is a half white superstar, which I think actually attributes to the fact that he's uh he's viewed as probably the most popular NBA player right now. Um. So, like, with Larry Bird's comment, I don't uh, completely agree with it, but I understand it. So, like, from a scholarly perspective, um, so I've I've read quite a few works on football and, like, the position, like, the makeup, like, there are very few black quarterbacks, but yet there are a lot of other, other positions are filled by black, black players, and, like, statistically when it comes to sport, because it's seen as something detached from reality happening in its own space, a lot of, like, there have been studies to prove that white people will pay to watch black people play sports because they see it as something separate from the reality that they're living. Um, so, I don't necessarily think that that's I think white people will watch it um, to bring in a white audience. That being said, we've talked, I think on other shows, we've talked a lot about like the representation issues and how like seeing yourself in things can can give you inspiration to do things. So if, like, like you said, Tim, if, if there's not a white superstar, then you're probably not going to have, um, you know, a, a, a white child thinking, oh, I can do that. The same way you won't have an Asian child thinking, oh, I can do that, or a Latino child thinking, oh, I can do that. Um that being said, like, I think that has relevancy, but I'm kind of, like, I, so I think, like, representation there is important for aspirations, but I think at the same time, I'm kind of like, but there are white superstars everywhere else, so can, like, is, is that really a problem? But then again, like, I'm not a young boy wanting to play basketball, so I can't really, like, speak to that. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's tough. I mean, I don't I mean I don't want to say it's tough because that makes it sound like what he's saying is like prolific and like very thought provoking. Yeah, <laughs> I just and thought it was very like inter- all sorry. these because if it's for like a fan reason, he's totally wrong. Because look at Cleveland, look at yeah. all of these sports teams that are in predominantly the white cities that sell out. It's all about if your team's good or not, and that's been like, happening. If your team's since... good, people will show up. I think for representation part, I think I think that one is kind of the harder one to tackle because if the white players aren't better than the black players, then they're not going to get to play. Like, that's yeah. just how it is. It's not like the WWE where you could, you know, push um, a white superstar or, you know, a insert, you know, race here superstar to get representation out there. You kind of you're kind of beholden on who's the best player to put. Yeah on your basketball team of a very small roster. And and I think a lot of this, like when you look at like issues that or like research that has been done looking at race, like for a lot of underprivileged youth that don't, haven't been able to see themselves in position of power that have been driven by education, um, things like sports are a way out 
of probably least you know less than stellar circumstances and with the way the demographic is in this country that means that the majority children of color are looking at two sports as an out versus education so i think that that then fuels like more people um more people of color putting in the work to be better than another player than say somebody else that that, that doesn't exclude future larry birds but i think that it it does it it, it it selects the pool that is going into these arenas um, because of the drive to get out of us out of a station. I just found that uh, one, I guess what you said can be said about not just like, I guess, basketball, but for a lot of sports in general and not even yeah. just like America, but like a lot of third world countries. Yeah. Soccer. Which are like bread. Yeah. Baseball, they're bread and everything. Like what are we almost like? This is what you're going to do. Yeah, because like, and I think the reason I mainly asked this was because Larry Bird was, I guess, a superstar in the NBA. It wasn't just like a random journalist or columnist. Yeah, it was, of course, it was an actual yeah. like. He's also a superstar in the NBA at a lot of different times. This like, is true. Where white players were still. Yeah. And I think too, good. like, just so we don't have that whole like, was it the ESPN person who made that Dominican comment? Um, so that Matt doesn't get a whole bunch of ads at him on Twitter. Um, like, I think we've talked about it in the past, like, by ourselves, like, during the World Cup and stuff. Like, a lot of these third world countries, they go to soccer academies. I'm talking it, about, like, in baseball, where you're, like, four and you're swinging a bat. Well, yeah. And, well, I know. And I'm talking about in soccer. In, like, in soccer, they do that, too. I don't mean to be, like, but I mean, unfortunately, that is what has actually happened. That is, like, literally the way so many people feel there's the only way they are able to get yeah, out of yeah, no, no. countries. Yeah, yeah, And that's what I'm saying, too. Like, it's the same thing for the people in the favelas in Brazil playing soccer and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Like, this is an out. Like, sports, if you can make, if you're gifted with that, with that, with the ability and you put in the time like it, it's an easy it's not an easy way like it, it's not right. easy like the sacrifices that you put into it is not easy but it's one of the only ways to get out of poverty to get out of a third world country and go sign with another another country and go live there and, and I, I brought up soccer because a lot of these players in brazil or argentina yeah. they don't play for those countries other than at the world cup yeah they well, I think we could do a whole places. entire episode on this. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I mean, it's fine, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We could do a whole episode on just this this topic alone. So let's get back to Adrian, okay, which sorry. you were going to bring up before I kind of went on with Lori Bird a little bit. Oh, I just wanted to talk because, I mean, I mean it, it works because this is – that comment kind of like follows in the same time period as – Yeah, that's why I kind of like want to lead with that to go especially after yeah, the no, Yeah, no, it, yeah, it, it totally works because you have the NBA dress code. Tim, do you want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah, About so, what it was and it's kind of – Implications? Yeah, so the NBA dress code was implemented by David Stern, uh, the commissioner at the time. I believe it was in 2005. Now, the whole reasoning behind the dress code was players at the time were dressing, you know, very... The players reflected kind of like the hip-hop culture. They were dressed in oversized, you know, baggy T-shirts, baggy pants, uh, the, you know, the the Jordan sneakers, the Nike sneakers with the whole bunch of jewelries, you know... The um the do rags like Allen Iverson, who was one of the most popular players at the time, would wear. Uh, this was in a time right after the the malice in the palace in Detroit, um, where the Pistons and the Pacers got into a huge, a huge uh, fight brawl, and it uh, went into the stands, and they started attacking fans that involved on our test and Jermaine O'Neal and all these players, Stephen Jackson, and um, 
And it was also around this time where, you know, my favorite basketball player, Kobe Bryant, was going through a, you know, rape rape case. And uh, David Stern I felt... I say rape face. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just for the listeners out there, my, face is be- my faces are being made right now. Whoa. Right. I was sort of so, like, whoa, whoa. I'm like, that's... So, <laughs> so David Stern, you know, felt that his league had, like, a huge black guy. It was viewed, you know... A lot of people from the outside looking in viewed as the NBA full of, you know, these quote-unquote thugs and these savages and, and whatever, this case and the other. So he implemented this dress code that basically made you dress, you know, like in a suit, you know, real business when you're coming, like you're coming to work. You know, this isn't this isn't a game, quote-unquote. This isn't just for fun. Like, this is your job. Now, a lot of players, uh, you know, rebelled against this dress code at first involving, you know, like I said earlier, Allen Iverson. Uh, Paul Pierce was one of them, Stephen Jackson. Paul Pierce said uh, that uh, he felt that this dress code was basically against just the black players, that it didn't affect the white players because he took away... Paul Pierce's statement said that no matter how you dress me up, no matter how you make my outside appearance, I'm going to still be the person that I am on the inside. And he didn't believe that David Stoner understood that. He was like, "You you can put all these you know, Versace, whatever, suits on me. I'm going to still be this guy no matter what. Uh, Allen Iverson was another huge objection who was probably the most popular at the time. You know, he was very intertwined with the the hip-hop culture. Um, Nowadays, you know, the the basketball players, it's been around for more than 10 years now. The basketball players view this as more of like a game to see who can dress the best. Uh, Yes. uh, Westbrook, Westbrook, Dwayne Wade, you know, Harden. LeBron's another one. You know, they yeah. they they view the entrance into the game more like you know like in like a fashion show. We're back, so it doesn't affect them as much as it did when it first was implemented. Um, but that that's basically what the dress code is. I think yeah, that's. So, oh, I was gonna say like yeah, I, no. I, I think that's really relevant because I know one of the one of the hot to- like we're well, not hot topics, but one of the really big topics going on like I think this is a reflection of dress codes and in, in like how pop culture dress codes are also part of like this larger idea of dress codes because right now there's been a lot of issues with like young black girls not being able to wear their hair in braids. Um, and that is specifically a black hairstyle that is being targeted versus like um, you know hairstyles from everybody else. And so like that like this is still really relevant. Um, Because it's something that's like been, it's being done right now, like being done across the board. So it's really interesting to see kind of how like they took it in stride and then like turn it into a competition. Um, And like, I I wonder if there are any like, I don't know, I guess implications like beyond that, like beyond just like the NBA. I mean, obviously it's different because like grooming standards and stuff for men and women are are completely different. Um, But yeah, I just thought of that comparison while you were explaining it. And I think it's a really strong point. Hmm. I just, I didn't really like when they implemented it. And I don't know, I guess, too much. But I guess besides the background problem, or like obviously the, I guess, focus on towards black players problem I had as well was, I believe a lot of this was just them entering the stadium and going to the locker room, if I'm correct? Yes. Yeah, so it was like, one, I'm literally getting out of my vehicle and walking to the car who cares what I'm wearing? <laughs> I guess was yeah. like why I felt that. I mean, obviously, I know there's a lot more implication to it, but I just knew, at least from what I always saw about it, was it was like literally just see people walking from their car to the locker room. And I didn't understand why that was a big deal 
to where you need to require dress code on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I was that. I mean, that was like I said. I understood. Like I said, I didn't know. If, I didn't. I mean, I understood the whole part about black. I didn't, yeah. But towards the they, they knew that in ten years, Westbrook would be wearing fake glasses. What he's wearing now, yeah. So like that's <laughs> the thing that he was he was planning ahead, basically. Yeah. Showing his ankles. I think. Yeah. yeah. But I do think like that uh, observation kind of like strengthens like like uh, the reasoning that Tim pointed out that a lot of the players felt like. I am just going to my car. Why does it matter? Like you yeah. are obviously targeting me for looking this way. Yes. So I mean, that's the way I took yeah. it. Towards him. But yeah. And uh, now we'll move in to the big mm-hmm. one, which is probably like one of the most relevant things that have happened in the NBA in the last few years. Uh, Donald Sterling and him basically being banned from life and getting his team taken away for some racist stuff. <laughs> racist things. <laughs> so this this whole deal with Donald Sterling was, you know, he was at the time uh it happened around 2014, I want to say. Uh he was the the owner of the Los Angeles Clippers and uh a leaked audio clip of him speaking privately to his then girlfriend basically telling his girlfriend that he didn't want her to bring black people to his games. That to stop inviting her black friends that they basically they didn't deserve to be there or he didn't want them to be in his seat or whatever. And this is a man who for years and years has been alleged of having saying very racist things and treating his black players very, very badly. And one of them being Baron Davis, who's been on record of saying that he's wanted to punch him in the face a couple times and. When this audio leaked, uh, you know, TMZ, you know, released it. You know, TMZ, the greatest source ever. <laughs> and uh, Second only to World Star Hip Hop. Exactly. <laughs> the greatest website ever. And so uh, uh, it was a, a, it was actually during the, the playoffs at the time. And a lot of the, uh, you know, players, like that we said earlier, you know, they are African-American. And um, they did not take kindly to this. And uh, his star, Chris Paul, uh threatened to not play the playoff game as did another uh, a whole bunch of not only the players on his team but of other teams across the league lebron james was one that said that he'll sit out if the nba didn't do something about this so uh the the then new commissioner of the league adam silver uh took this as his chance to uh build some rapport with his players with the fans and banned him uh for life he is not allowed to be anywhere near the nba and they forced him to sell his team that was bought by uh, the, the Clippers was bought by Steve Ballmer, uh, which he is now the owner of. Uh, so David Sterling was just banished from the league for what he said uh, regarding black people at his games. Yeah, it's just crazy. Like you're profiting off of black players. Exactly. Every and- single night. And for you to have that kind of view is just insane. You do not deserve to own a basketball team. Or have any association with the NBA? If you're going to say stuff like that, yeah, it's and his so his his reasoning for why he was not racist was he said, well, I pay for these dudes' foods and their houses and their cars, <laughs> so how can I be racist? Like I pay them. Yeah. And uh, he he had a real infamous interview. I want to say with CNN where he just bashed Magic Johnson for whatever reason, saying, well, he has AIDS. What does Magic know? Like, And I was like, this guy is just, 
he just needs to go, you know, after a certain age, you know, you just start losing it up there, you know. Yeah. Maybe owning a basketball team, which is such a big deal, isn't for you anymore. Because, like, I will say Office that. Rocker. And, like, I, uh, I like, I, I didn't know about, I forgot about the CNN interview. I thought it was all the private stuff. That a lot no, of, the CNN interview. Yeah, so, that. like, essentially, like, I think what it sets, I think it, 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 and I think Matt can talk about, like, some of the other slippery slopes, but I think, I think what it, what it, what it sets is when you see stuff happen or hear stuff happen, regardless of how it got out there, like once it's out there, because hate speech and these things aren't illegal because it is free speech, they're not illegal. Um, if you're not inciting by violence, you can say what you want. But I think it, the responsibility is on the community around it to say this is not acceptable. Um, and so you have to that's like when you react and you implement consequences and hold people accountable for these types of really racist things because um, then you have to create an environment where you can't profit from being racist um, that being said I do know like he sued right he sued the NBA he is still in process of suing the NBA Okay, there's yeah. still a lawsuit pending because of the the, uh, the broken privacy issues so yeah. it's kind of like the ill-gotten, the the ill-gotten fruit, which I see that point, but I also see the point like once it's out there, you kind of got to deal with it, and you got to create an you have to you have to say that's not acceptable. Either way, no matter how it got out, it's not acceptable. And then obviously the Magic Johnson interview, <laughs> like well, Johnson interview that's bad. public. Yeah. That's not private. That's public. <laughs> um, exactly. So, I don't, did you want to say anything? or? Um, I mean, this is a very slippery slope. Um, it's one of those, there's a lot of privacy thing and issues involved. It was a vendetta woman who released tapes of him, like, at his own house. He was a very terrible person. Like, he's had lawsuits, multiple lawsuits, whether it be sexual harassment or discrimination lawsuits against him from stemming all the way back from, like, 1996. And... Far from a privacy issue, it just it's a hard slippery slope because I'm like, well, I don't like that it came from like a house by somebody just recording, technically illegally. But then I understand kind of like how the NBA had to react. And the only other issue, because I mean he should have been gone a long time. For one, he was an inept domer, and he had so many other problems. As you said earlier, if there was like Baron Davis thing, the Magic Johnson thing, there's other countless lawsuits. Their problem, I guess, not really problem, but the issue I had was like Chris Paul came out and said all these things as like, um, like a protest, and I had a problem with because some of these stuff that Donald Sterling's been known about for like thirty plus years, you took money to go. I mean, he technically traded there, but then he re-signed there. DeAndre Jordan True. signed there. Doc Rivers came over there to sign there to play, and it's kind of like I just. To me, I have sometimes problem when people with, like, a lot of money or come, like, I'm going to gladly go over there and I'll take your $13 million, but then I'm going to play the moral card. And it's like, why wouldn't you think about that when you chose a team for free agency? And that was the only, like, issue I kind of had with some of the, uh, at least from the team perspective, of like, when they were trying to protest. So, and I wish they actually would have set out the game against the Warriors instead of, like, walking. <laughs> But that was on. Yeah, I, 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 that would have been like a top five sports moment oh, yeah. in yes. this century. It would have, it would have really sent a huge president. But yeah, and I think it is what it I is. I think unfortunately, yeah. like at the end of the day, like and that's the reason why rich people get to be racist all the time because at the end of the day, it's money. 
green. <laughs> no, I think I think that's it's what it is, right? Yeah. Like that's why the NBA and Adam Silver was able to go in and say, "All right, dude, get out," because it is a company. If you say racist stuff, your boss kind of has the yep has the right to say the ability that. to say get the hell out. Is why Chris Paul can't say, "Hey, get out of here," because he's just an employee. <laughs> yeah. But right. when the big boss says you got to go, you got to go. Yep. Yeah. And I think too, like I just like as a final note before moving to the next thing, because I know we're short on time. But um, like I think with that, like what that need, what this does, and I think it, it really needs to force things like this need to force the hand of the like not just the owners to respond, but the actual um, commissioners and stuff of the NBA and other football teams to do something before it's like a leaked tape. Like actually handle this stuff when like this was not his first racist incident like do something before it gets to that point like that is also your obligation as an owner is to handle it when it first happens i think the, only other- the nfl has that problem yes oh the NFL god definitely yes does. yeah <laughs> the ray probably Ray, the ray rice situation and all of that and i think the one yeah, thing roger goodell's a dick yes he's my one curse word yes. to, say so, to say roger goodell yeah, i think the only final thought that was person. weird was donald sterling to tourney throughout this whole like back in 14 said the nba needs to look in their mirror and because they're a bunch of hypocrites basically and to some degree i i honestly agree with that i mean one of the major like there was a basically coming out too. one of the major critics of donald sterling was one of the majority shareholders from the hawks who then basically through these lawsuits got his emails ripped and realized that he sent a bunch of racist stuff through emails and had to step down. True. And so it was kind of like, I think as much as Donald Sterling need to go, there is other problems where you need to look at yourself as well. Donald and I think Adam Silver's doing a great job yeah. of that. Yeah, like Donald Sterling should have gone a long-ass time ago, and you should probably keep the other racists out of the organization as well the first time they're racist. So, yeah. yeah. That being said, let's go into some more racist stuff. Um, so particularly about maspers, um, so, uh, and I'm talking about Sebastian de la Cruz, uh, singing the national anthem in a, uh, it's, it's a Chato outfit. It's a, it's what mariachis wear and it was Spurs themed. So silver and black, um, and, and singing the national anthem and Twitter pretty much berating the fact that a Mexican American in San Antonio was singing, was singing the national anthem. Um, and this is a child. I think he was like, I think he was like 11 at the time. And one of the things that happened, and this is one of the reasons why I really love the Spurs, and I know other teams do this too, is like the Spurs have embraced the fact that even though the like the Latinx population in the NBA that play is very small, like when you look at cities like Miami or San Antonio or Los Angeles and places where there are high Latinx populations, they've embraced it. Um, and for the Spurs in particular, um, everybody came out for Sebastian and they invited him to sing again. And he got he had a gray and black uh, mariachi outfit the next time. Um, and so I think this is a testament to how NBA teams also reflect the cities that they're situated in specifically like I I think other teams do this too but like I can go buy official NBA gear that have little spurs on it and that makes me really happy um because it means they're a part of my community at large um do you is that part of a bigger NBA trend yeah light nights yeah that's awesome like that's really cool and I did not know that (laughs) (laughs) like I thought it was just a San Antonio being awesome San Antonio thing, but 
That's such a Spurs thing to say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> I'll, I'll be aware of that. Um, but yeah, so I, I think when uh, like on issues of race, like honestly, you can't control it when Twitter trolls trolls erupt because that happens all the time. Um, whenever a not white person sings the national anthem, um, but I think the responses from Pop and the rest of the Spurs were really really great for that, and I think the fact that like the NBA has done stuff like Latinites to actually pay attention to like their Latinx viewership is really, really important. So that's my boat. Why though? I have one guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the agree. NBA also has a, a Chinese, uh, Chinese new year. Uh, on Whenever they have games on Chinese Ooh. new year, they have the jerseys where they, everything is in Chinese. Oh, that's awesome. So, I did not know that. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, uh, you can actually buy them. The I believe last year, the Warriors played on Chinese night against the Rockets, so uh, you can go buy those jerseys. It's just all everything's in Chinese. The players' names. Everything. That's really cool. NBA, NBA does a lot of stuff that um, I wish other sports organizations would do. I wish more organizations would do stuff like that. You know, because yeah. I can't think of any other major sports organization that does Latin nights. Or stuff on Chinese New Year where you can buy stuff like that. Yeah, the NBA is definitely the most uh, socially conscious uh, sports um, yes. organization out yeah. there. I mean, just look what happened when Colin Kaepernick took a knee. Like, the freaking yeah. world exploded. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, LeBron James can put his hood up when Trayvon Martin got shot. Yeah. And, you know, he gets applauded by his uh, peers. So, LeBron that just shows how LeBron. different it is. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to stop praising LeBron. I've done it already like three <laughs> times. That's my limit. But I think that kind of gets into real quick. Um, I'll, I'll go very quickly through this. Not that it's something to be gone through, uh, like glossed over, but NBA's charity work is huge. Like, I can't, you know, again, I can't think of any sports organization that does so much for the community or like at least maybe it's just overly publicized and that's all I see all the time, but... The NBA cares. Uh, their NBA cares is the name of like their charity work, and it seems like they do stuff all the time and basically every aspect that you could think of in ways that you can do charity work. I mean, they work with the Special Olympics, they work with the YMCA, Boys and Girls Club of America, UNICEF, Make a Wish Foundation, um, Share Your Strength. Uh, they do all of these things for all of these organizations, and even within their own thing, within their own organization, they have specialized um, charity uh, charity groups, I, I guess you can say. Mm-hmm. So they do the Hoops for Troops, of course. You know, this is something that almost most of the, the big-name sports do. But NBA Care Hoops for Troops is a year-round initiative led by the NBA, its teams, its players, in collaborations with the Department of Defense and other military and veteran-serving organizations to honor active and retired servicemen, women, and their family. Is there, uh, I guess, quick question, I guess. I don't know if knows, but is there any, do you think the NBA will ever do what the NCAA has done and actually play basketball games on a carrier? Oh, damn. Well, that, you should go to Adam certainly. Those, <laughs> I, I love those games where they basically, they make the see... carrier out of a court and they literally do college basketball games. And they, for Huge all the, dunks. for all of the, uh, I guess the troops and everybody that's deployed or wherever they're at in base. That's awesome. They should NBA all the NBA All Star uh, thing should all be on a carrier. That, that, that. Awesome. I want to see. I need front row tickets. Stupid dunks on it. 
on a on a carrier. You ever get a chance to uh, also, YouTube that? That's pretty cool. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. They also do My Brother's Keeper, which is essentially like their mentoring program that launched with uh, President Obama. So it's their way of helping boys and young men of color find pathways to success. They are even in the environment aspect of community service with NBA Green, where they've partnered with Green Sports Alliance to generate awareness and funds for protecting the environment. So, you know, they're using they're using and the players are using, you know, their abilities and their money and their ability to inspire kids, adults, veterans to do better outside of watching them on weeknights playing basketball. Wait, so, so there's a cause other than just breast cancer? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or, Which, pay, exactly. or paid. You can do bit, more than um, wear pink in October, pink. NFL. Yeah. Like like so like not to like sound like I was like making fun of that. I mean I kind of was. Like my 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 aunt survived breast cancer, my mother had breast cancer. I understand the importance, but there is a lot like I know the like it, it's awesome to see that there's other charity work being done here because I think a lot of the times like the wearing pink thing is the easy thing to do for charity work and the easy thing to do during games and everything like that like it makes you look good like you going through that adrian like really makes me have like a really warm fuzzy spot for the nba because it actually looks like they're not just looking good they're actually dedicating a lot of time to doing good too yeah i think it just it it highlights their importance of charity work it also highlights why you know we as a podcast you know our itty bitty small podcast you know is doing more episodes highlighting charities i mean yeah by the time this recording comes out, we will have had one out about um, the Stack Up Military charity. So, you know, just doing little things here and there, the NBA being huge, is able to do big things all over. Yeah. Not just here, but globally as well. So hats off to them for, for their work. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of brings me into another one of But Why Those and Why the NBA is so important is just their ability to just have a total global presence around the world um, a lot of this stems from them doing international tours you know they first started doing this in 1978 with their first exhibition game in israel you know to this day they do preseason and regular season games um overseas they don't still go and play once in london and then come back uh they have multiple <laughs> games all around all around the world i feel like this should be and- the nfl shade episode yeah, I love the NFL. It's my favorite, but man, man they send they the most horrible teams stuff. to London. I think Jacksonville's played there like every year. Jacksonville is a huge favorite in England. <laughs> they, but only because they get sent there all the time. Um, and then just like the rise of like international stars in the NBA, giving countries something to root for, and you know, like like Kate was saying, seeing players like yourself over there. So like these last few years, you have basically almost the entire Spurs team being you know, uh, international players for the most part. And then you have, you know, the Yao Mings, the Dirk Nowinskis, uh, Steve Nash from Canada, yeah. Jeremy Lin, uh, Akeem Olajuwon, of course, you know, and even some of the, like the smaller role players like Della Vadova from Australia, he kind of puts them on the map a little bit just from like what he did. Andrew Bogut. Andrew Bogut, yeah. So like there's just all these international players that Porzingis. come to – Porzingis, yeah. <laughs> Porzingis, my yeah. man. Uh, so they they give these other countries a reason to watch the NBA, yeah. and then when the Olympics roll around, they don't expect them to play for the U.S. When it comes around, they, they go play for their home countries, yeah. and you get to see 
them go home and represent their own countries after playing in uh, the U.S. And then, of course, things that put NBA on the map, the Dream Team in 1992, like who can forget that just dominant Hall of Fame, you know, beating people by 44 points a game, (laughs) you know, just dominance there. And the Redeem Team kind of had to re-put us back on the map. My favorite team. I love that team. (laughs) Come on. Also, like, Uh, I think, too, like, the... I would die on that boat that the Redeem Team would beat the Dream Team. That's (laughs) just my opinion. You have to be called the Redeem Team. That'll get us into our next, but why those here? (laughs) I mean... Can... I mean, okay. So, like, this gets me into why I think the NBA is so important. Because I don't... I honestly, honestly do not think that any other sport generates as much debate and conversation at bars or you know on buses or anything more than the nba just because it's wide scope and it's how differently it's played than other sports like debates like that uh you know the dream team versus the redeem team i think most of me and tim's conversations we were in high school was about you know basketball and listening to him talk to some of our other friends and how he had to defend uh kobe bryant and his greatness over other players and stuff like that. It, it's, it's a huge part of why I think basketball... <laughs> and, and Matt's shaking his head here. The ignorance. <laughs> yeah. As he would say, defending against the ignorance, I would say it as just blindfolders and not seeing... Not witnessing great, great true greatness. Oh uh, but just just that conversation, I think, yeah. is one of the best things about basketball. It's why Tim's here today. So you can know, I... I say, hey, want to come talk basketball Tim's like yeah I'm all about it <laughs> all Let's do about it. it I was gonna be like so can I ask a question to get a little I know we're running short on time but I want a little mini debate here just cause I know how much all y'all are invested who's the GOAT yeah okay okay I'll let Tim go first alright so the reason why that's exactly why I love basketball <laughs> um cause no matter what you say I mean I'm gonna be strong with my opinions there is no wrong answer unless you just say like a scrub like Kwame Brown <laughs> uh, uh, it's also it, it it just depends on your criteria as to what makes you the goat if somebody tells you well it's the, the person that was the best player on the championship team most times and somebody's gonna say well that's Bill Russell he won 11 championships uh, somebody could say, well, you know, it's Michael Jordan because he went six for six in the finals. He got six finals MVPs, which nobody did. Well, then somebody could turn around and say, well, championships are and everything, which is what LeBron fans used to say until he started winning championships. And now they want to throw that in your face. <laughs> so then somebody could be like, well, you know, LeBron, you know, he passed Jordan in points and rebounds and assists in the playoffs. That's got to be the GOAT. Well, then I can tell you, well, stats don't mean everything. I can tell you from what I look at. That Jordan is better than LeBron. I don't care what the stats say. If you look at the stats for this year. To me, this year in basketball uh, proves the whole stats versus eye testing. Because if you look at stats, Russell Westbrook is the best player in the NBA. He averaged the triple-double. By shooting like a ridiculous amount of shots. If you think LeBron James shot that much, he wouldn't average that either. But that's my point. The stats would tell you that Russell Westbrook is the best player in the NBA. But my eyes tell me that he is not. The best player in the NBA today is LeBron James. 
correct. I can look at it. I don't need the stats to tell me, well, LeBron scored 26 points on 60% shooting from 40%. And on this day with this, I don't need to know all those stats. I can just look at the game and tell you LeBron is the best. Now, as far as the GOAT, the greatest of all time, that is Michael Jeffrey Jordan. <laughs> That's just, there. There to me, that is not a debate. You cannot debate that anybody has been better than Michael Jordan. He just dominated the game in an aspect that nobody has now people might say lebron has but he just hasn't lebron has those games like he just had last week where he just goes ghost in game three against the celtics where he had 11 points he had a terrible game jordan didn't have games like that there, <laughs> when you played against jordan you knew you saw a game with jordan you knew exactly what you were gonna get he was gonna drop 40 in the game he was gonna shoot amazingly and he was going to kill your team and you don't always get that vibe from lebron lebron scares you but he doesn't terrify you like jordan did we'll, we'll never ever talk jordan fans and people who say he's the goat will never ever ever talk about his seasons with the wizards well okay okay I'm the, <laughs> never <laughs> ever oh jordan did it in less seasons but we're not going to count what he did in the you know with the wizards so you think lebron james ever is ever going to have a season like seasons like that he plays till he's 40 the way he's going now the longevity of his greatness <laughs> will <laughs> ever have washington wizard seasons <laughs> into that i rebuttal with the 2011 finals where you know, lebron james you know the the quote-unquote goat the best player in the nba got outplayed by six foot jj berea <laughs> and six foot jason terry I, michael jordan you know Counting in the Wizards years, you know that wasn't Michael Jordan. That was some guy that looked like. Him. <laughs> <laughs> you know that that uh, wasn't that wasn't LeBron yeah, James. No. That was some guy who looked like LeBron James. Okay, fair enough. But I'm pretty sure that was LeBron James. I saw. So it. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna jump in here. So one because I want to hear who Matt's favorite player is, but also because I just want to say Tim Duncan will have a statue of him in the middle of San Antonio and Hemisphere Park. I'm just gonna say that. But I have no stats to back it up. <laughs> I just know that our city will build a testament to his greatness, and we don't give two flying things <laughs> um, if anybody says he's not goat for us. So it, 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 he gonna get a statue. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Tony, uh, Tim Duncan was a good player. I, I can't, I can't hate on him. But and he's a good guy, and he doesn't have a rape he, yeah, case. He's cool. Just saying. this must be my exit got him that's my biggest knock against lebron haters especially ones that love kobe like regardless like the dude switched teams from an organization that did absolutely nothing from him lebron has a sexual assault case or a case changes his number and everybody still loves him get out of here I have a few more against Kobe, but yeah. (laughs) Okay, so... Let me hear it. What you got? Yeah, so let's let's get Matt in here. Basically, he couldn't win a title without Shaq. Those years without Shaq, he looked awful. Um, He did? did He put up like 50 points, and they did awful in the East, or the West, excuse me. Basically, they had to have a trade that probably would have been boycott, where they got donated another All-Star, and then they won some more titles. So without Paul Gasol or Shaq, Kobe is basically the eighth in the West. Look, look, look. My, okay, and I can say that about basically every other superstar that's ever played. There's no player that can do it by himself. Did you see that roster that they put out there with Kobe in 2005-2006? Smush Parker was the point guard. I can be Smush Parker. <laughs> okay, they had Chris Mim out there at center. They had Slava Menfadinko out there. Like They had you know uh, Rudy Tomjanovich as their coach, who's not a really good coach. You know, 
and Kobe did what he can. He carried that team to the eighth seed, which, mind you, they lost, and they lost the 3-1 series. I, I can't defend that. <laughs> but there is no player that can say, I did not I did it by myself. Michael Jordan had Scottie Pippen. He never won without Scottie Pippen. LeBron had Dwayne Wade and now Kyrie Irving. He hasn't won without them. Yeah, but they're also not averaging 30 points and, 20, and 10, like 15 rebounds in the finals. Okay, I, and I know you're referencing Shaquille O'Neal. Well, Shaq at the time was the best player. This was a Kobe Bryant. That was three years into the I league. watched Kobe. But, throw away the piston series trying to take away from Shaq who was dominating and, and don't use Ricky's status yeah, they I do know Duncan that I will say <laughs> they would have won so many more champions if Kobe just wasn't a dick and coexisted with, with Shaq so many I, more championships see, I, I don't agree with the whole they would have won a lot of championships Shaq was already out his prime by he went and won one with Wade did, and he was yeah, old. How, how did he how do, how do, how do, okay. do it in Miami okay he, he won with Wade Wade was a top five player he had Kobe Bryant, who was supposed to be a top three player. Like, okay. ever. But that, that Lakers roster was deteriorating. They had, you know, Gary Payton, who was far out of his prime. Carmelo, Malone, who retired the next he year. He got they, an they, MVP they were, they were... for going six for 24 in game seven. And basically had Ron Artest have to bank in a three-pointer to beat Boston Look. off of Kendrick Perkins being injured. Hey, so True. Okay, hold but, on, okay. hold on. One last thing, Tim. Last rebuttal, and then Matt, your fave, your goat, and then we're gonna move on. But this is awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying this. So, Tim, last rebuttal. Okay, so I don't even. I'm, I'm just. I'm just getting mad. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, 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 okay. The whole Kobe is not a perfect player. I've never said he's a perfect player, but. The reason people like to throw his deficiencies at him and they like to glorify these other players for the same deficiencies. Kobe is a fantastic player. And to me, there is the from players that I've seen with my own eyes. I know I say Jordan is the GOAT, but Kobe just played a way that is unmatched. I haven't seen nobody play like him from his footwork to his basketball IQ. Uh, when he was in, in his prime, you know, he was a lockdown defender. He was he just had it all. I he had the whole package and Yes, and he swept the Spurs in two thousand one. So. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. He eliminated the Spurs in two thousand and nine, I wanna say, on his way to another ta- another title. So, you know, Tim Duncan don't got nothing on Kobe. Oh, yeah, mm. What about you, Matt? I, th- I think my answer is 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 rather unanimous. Uh, my eye test says no one does it as easily as LeBron James does it. And makes people around him better, unlike other players. I will say this, though, Tim. I do remember that kid that got, like, or would have gotten bullied at school that loved Kobe. He he, he did always have, like, the numbers to back it up because it might have or might have not have been in those years when we got swept by them. So. (laughs) (laughs) I I will say that. But still, Duncan's a good person. Yeah, he's fine. He's cool. (laughs) Yeah, no... No uh, salt cases. What about you? <laughs> um, I mean, as far as like, I guess a pure like basketball physical specimen. I'm sorry, like LeBron is just like he's like six five and like what two forty. Like six eight. Six eight. My bad. Six eight two forty. And just he moves like like I said like he says so gracefully. He just basically if he wants to get to the basket, he will. Now saying all that. I mean, his competition and some of the rule changes, I can't give him the GOAT. I'm sorry. 
I mean, Russell obviously didn't play against anybody. He's been, but I, he's been underdog in six of eight of his finals. AJ, like, what do you Matt like? Has that's, not just, that's just a <laughs> stupid argument. Like, oh, he's pat. Like, he has no no control over the East being weak, but he still makes it to the finals to play great teams. My high but, school team could make it to I the finals some of those years in the East. <laughs> How's but, that LeBron's fault? Why is that a knock against LeBron? But, like, but that's my that's my point with the whole LeBron has been an underdog. For yeah. six to the eight finals, Jordan was never the underdog. You, to me, you can't he's be the against goal. competition. Uh, the Bulls teams are known as some of the greatest teams ever. True, but I think I can also rebuttal that with the reason why they looked at so good is because of Jordan and Pippen. LeBron, and LeBron, LeBron is hard pressed to even. You can even say he's been part of an all-time great team. He probably has the 2013 Miami Heat. But that's it. He's only been on one yeah, historically right. great like team. You're right. He is, he is carrying teams to the finals. You're right. <laughs> um, Thank you, sir. Matt, that. do you want to finish who GOAT is? <laughs> I mean, obviously, I guess just between things, I mean, pretty much everybody agrees it's Michael Jordan. He was pretty much dominant. You knew he was going to be there. He played all And he has 82. a Looney Tunes movie. He does have a Looney Tunes movie. LeBron James is getting his. Space Jam no. 2. <laughs> I don't like doing the GOAT question because there's just so many between different errors, like you said, and between some of the rule changes and defensively, like you talked about the Pistons earlier, then Pistons would have beat up LeBron, especially considering he had, you say he had no help. He would, they would just beat him down because of the rules they had. So, But doesn't that lend to LeBron's defense being that much better, depending on like, seeing like how good he is on defense without all of the I mean, I guess rules? I want... I mean, Jordan had to beat the Pistons. He had to deal with Magic. He had to deal with Bird. I mean, he didn't really get to place Olajuwon. He did with Carl Malone, Stockton, Charles Barkley. And I guess I think one of the other arguments I look at from my standpoint, it's just more of a, I guess, before we get into, I guess, the last part of conspiracy controversies, I think of Chris Paul. Chris Paul has been dominated, but if you took Chris Paul and put him in the East for his entire career and took LeBron and put him in the West... I think Chris Paul could be playing at least three finals, if not more, on some of the teams he had. He t- and LeBron James would be winning every finals every year if he was on in the West. Any of the teams. If you had to play the Spurs, no, the I Warriors. I don't disagree. Look at like what he does to teams in the the West in the finals now. Like, look what he did to the the Warriors last year. Super team. Imagine if he's on. Give him. Give him. Uh, give him Kevin Durant instead of Westbrook on the Thunder. Okay, but. The last year's finals. Put him on the Spurs. I just know the competition from the playoffs. It seems like a dogfight to get out of the West, where LeBron's basically taking two weeks off because he hasn't played anybody. The Golden State just went 12-0. and 0. But that just shows you how great that team is. I don't want to hear that. But that just shows how great that team is. Yeah. But anyways, I guess, can we move on to they the conspiracy? Yeah, the finals, so I'm going to cut it here, and I'm just going <laughs> to say I'm kind of confused with a lot of the stuff that was said. Except for the fact that I realized that maybe goats are dependent on the era that they were in. Well, that happens with a lot of stuff. Yeah, and I, and I think that like lends like that, to controversies probably, of yeah. just yeah, yeah. What who's better when and what and whether or not you live in San Antonio. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I guess yeah, let's let's move on to the controversies and. I mean, I guess we can wrap up these really fast or something. I actually was kind of excited yeah, for this, so I kind of want to throw them in here. Okay. I don't know why it's weird. Yeah, yeah, because we we've talked about some of them that we have have here, like um, the Kobe Bryant <laughs> issues, some of the gambling stuff, kind of. But we can talk about that with Jordan. 
rule changes. Kobe like Bryant got $136 million after being charged with rape. Yeah. Or sexual assault. I didn't even know that. That just makes it even more difficult <laughs> to me. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Tim is never going to be back on the podcast. <laughs> but uh, uh, the gambling thing with Jordan's retirement, it's the most craziest thing. And I'm totally like, if I ever want to be a conspiracy theory, I totally want to go for it. I totally, I believe. I it. totally want to I believe think it. it. I think. Okay, right. so totally, what is it? So basically, when Jordan's dad, I guess, was murdered, he supposedly went and played baseball to like honor him for two years. That's yeah. why the Rockets got two titles in the '90s. And basically, there's conspiracy theory that he was also known to be a very high gambler, partier, and everything else. But they couldn't. David Stern basically, you can't suspend, as we just talked about, minute your goat. Yeah. And so they told him, here, go play baseball for two years as a quote-unquote suspension, honor your dad, do whatever, be a celebrity show, and then we'll let you come back. Ah. And so instead of taking the hit that of, like, you suspended believable. your goat, because he had a lot of gambling problems, a lot of party issues, and a lot of stuff like that going on. And it just on. makes yeah, him look like the professional he was in... nice guy. Yeah, supposedly he was in heavy debt with yes. some very bad people. Too. Like, owing millions and millions of yes. dollars, so... David Stern basically, well, this is what the theory goes. Uh, he told them either I suspend you for two years or you just do this quote-unquote retirement and nobody has to know and you'll just be back in two years. 20 months. He was gone for 20 yep. months. Wow. I totally believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I believe do too. That. I just, I just, my, my, my only thing for is just I don't understand how this hyper-competitive guy that loved being the best at the, at the peak of his powers, you know, it was the end of 1993, thriving in this sport just picks up his ball and goes home like for 20 months and then just comes back I yeah. just, to go play baseball yes like yeah. super competitive like i know you know I, i've heard arguments that he said like what what's more you know what would get your competitive juices flowing than just you know starting something new in a game in a game that you don't know nothing about really and see if you can make it to the major leagues i just don't buy it i think i i i believe this conspiracy theory 100 percent. i do too <laughs> that's the first time I heard it, but actually, it it sounds really viable because I mean like you just mentioned Kobe making all that money like with your stars you you do what they can so that they can say stars and you overlook a lot of their problems and if that's what you need to do to keep him as a perpetual nice guy he's which kind of leads nice into the next part of the conspiracy of game fixing which actually which is funny which brings up the number one thing involving your Kobe Bryant Lakers of <laughs> <laughs> Game six of the 2002 Western Conference Finals. Basically, the Lakers in the fourth quarter alone shot 18 more free throws to barely beat the Kings. And so there's been... To barely beat the Kings, man. Okay, that Kings team was stacked. First of all, (laughs) that was a really good team. Uh, But I have no argument. That game was rigged. I can't... I've watched the game like 30 times, and some of the calls they made, like Kobe Bryant elbowing Mike Bibby and... Mike Bibby getting called for the foul. There's just there's nothing you can do to convince me to say that game. Which was led to guess the whole Tim Donahue thing, where he was basically as David Stern tried to throw him under as a rogue official, basically saying that the games that the league officials basically fixed games, made calls, and whatnot. He actually ended up going. He ended up owing up the mafia and everything, kind of like Jordan, a lot of money. He ended up doing a lot. He ended up spending time in prison. He actually ended up writing a book 
called uh, Blowing the Whistle, the Culture of the Fraud in the NBA. He said a lot more officials did this. Obviously, David Stern just went as he is a rogue official, because we hear that all the time when it's just one individual. I mean, like, it's something that, I mean, like, my dad and I have talked about, and, like, I think whenever you have something that goes into a series versus, like, a one-and-done type thing, I think it really sets up to build the hype to build the money that is coming in, to build the merchandise that you're selling to rig games, especially in the finals. And I think one other thing, which was funny about Tim Donahue thing, so after he got out of prison and he kept saying he's still, like, writing this book and whatnot, he went on, basically said, on April 22nd of 2014, basically goes, watch, the Nets are going to beat the Raptors to face the Heat because of better ratings and everything, and but the, Rap- the Nets end up winning Game 7 by a point, like, basically sick a week later which is pretty interesting considering you watch a lot of those finals coincidence i yes, think not pretty much no but i mean i thought that was interesting obviously just more of coincidence and stuff but it was funny considering all the stuff that he had dealt with and tried to whistleblow on them so that, you're telling me i need to get my unsolved crime like red string board and start using it for nba playoffs and finals bit. okay <laughs> As Adrian staring at you like you're a lunatic, but that's fine. Everybody knows <laughs> the true crime on this podcast. I've that's talked fine. about it before. Leave me alone. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna solve one of these. I'm gonna crack I don't know right what you guys it. think about the whole rogue official thing, but yeah. I mean, in like 2005, Jeff Van Gundy, who's not one to be quiet ever, you know, said that he had sources that the NBA was calling more fouls on Yao Ming on purpose and got like fined a hundred grand about it. So. I mean, the Van Gundys are awesome follows. people, by the way. They really are. <laughs> I love them. I mean, there's just so so much evidence of you know game fixing and rigging of games, and another another big one was the 2006 NBA Finals. Um, uh, the between the between the Miami Heat and the the Dallas Mavericks. I get amnesia uh, during this game, so I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> uh, you, know, you know, the one where Wade shot more free throws than the entire Mavericks team. Yes, exactly. Uh, now, the reason the reasoning behind this rigging, well, you know, as the conspiracy theories go, is that the NBA was in need of a new of a new kind of superstar, uh, and uh, they kind of created one with. Dwayne Wade that was his coming out party in the NBA finals he shot like a record-setting amount of free throws he averaged crazy numbers and he won the NBA finals and uh the the NBA did not have a very fond relationship with the Dallas Mavericks owner uh Mark Cuban and they did not want him to basically carry their trophy so (laughs) he still he actually hired a private his own private investigator to do an investigation on this Yes, like, and I don't remember exactly what happened, but I think he ended up dropping it because he truly does believe that the NBA screwed him out of a title. Damn, he got one later when I mean, it still goes on today. Like it was a, it was a huge controversy with the Spurs early on in, in the playoffs this year because Kawhi Leonard was just shooting yeah. an absurd amount of free throws. Yeah, and. Uh, they were nowhere. They weren't going to win that series anyway. Like, there's no way. Yeah. Free Spurs actually have that, an but. official that's not allowed to officiate their games. Is that correct, what? or is that still going on? The um, I don't or, know. I have I no know, idea. I can't remember his name. There's a one official now. We're gonna put in show nice because I can't remember off the top of my head. Where the Spurs are like 0 and 15 when he officiates or some crazy stat I could form. Holy crap! I could be completely talking off the top of my head, but there is at least somebody where there was a lot of controversy between. He just not like man. So. 
So you're saying is I need to go into officiating and start going to gamble. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is, this is what's going on. I was hoping somebody would help me All out. Right, Kate. Fully remember that, but no. <laughs> we're we're past time, Kate. Let, yeah. Let's wrap yeah. this up. Uh, yeah, so do, this do is, your so nice little rappy stuff. Yeah, so I think we've covered a lot about the NBA. Um, for you listening out there, this does not mean that we will not talk about some, you know, why the Spurs matter or why LeBron James matters. Or why Tim, you coming back for LeBron James? <laughs> so no, I'm going ghost. This is um, we've talked about a lot of, I guess you could say, geek culture up until now, and we also want to point out that pop culture is everything, and that everything includes sports. And as you can tell, we have I have two amazing co-hosts and a lovely Tim. Who know a lot about sports, and I just really love listening to the conversation. So we'll keep it going. If you have any recommendations, go ahead and comment on this episode. Let us know. Um, as always, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. That is the easiest way for people to find us, and it helps us out a whole bunch. As always, you can find us on But Why Though PC on Instagram and Twitter, and you can go ahead and find me at Oh My Myth Randier on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, Adrian. Yeah, you can find me at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z-93 on Twitter. Matt? You can find me also on Twitter, retweeting away at datm18, D-A-T-T-M-1-8. And uh, thanks again so much, Tim, for being on this episode. Why don't you go ahead and let everybody, uh, let everybody know where they can find you on the interwebs. Thank you for having me, and you can find me on Twitter at TC Taught Me. That's T S E A Taught Me. And I will include that in the show notes, so go ahead and drop him a follow. Um, great night, guys. Uh, and I don't have a great NBA sign off, so Adrian, I hope you have one. No, I just, just hats off by this time this episode comes can we out. Play the hopefully... NBA on ABC or NBC Music. We can. Space Jam. We'll close <gasps> with off of Space yeah, Jam. Asa, get some Space yeah, Jam. We'll, we'll do that. <laughs> So uh, by by the time this episode comes out, we, we should be into the finals, and hopefully LeBron James is winning. Uh, get at us while we're tweeting tweeting the, uh, tweeting the finals. Uh, real quick before we go, so who do you guys have in the finals, and how many games? I want the Warriors. Uh, LeBron in six. In five. In five. Wow. Yeah, LeBron in six for me. I got the Warriors in six. All my horses are injured, so I have none in this race. <laughs> <laughs> That's so accurate. <laughs> All right. Have a great night, guys. Thanks, guys. All right, Bye.